started. You in the parking lot, let's get started. You in the back, let's get started. Everyone can hear me very loud and clear. No, I can't hear you. You want me to speak louder? Yes. Very loud. Louder Hey, welcome everyone to our, uh, we are officially back on our semester schedule. What does that mean, you ask? Great question. Well, in the summers and winters, we may have a teaching every other week, or maybe just once that month, especially in December where it's Christmas time. But semester time means we're go, go. That means there's a weekly teaching every Thursday here at 7.30. Now, eventually we will be here, but for now we're here, Okay. Weather's going to get a little bit cooler, so, you know, be prepared for that. But as long as it's nice, might as well meet here, all right? Yeah. Outside, get some nice weather, get the volleyball action afterwards, who really knows? Amen. Uh, so, we are going to be in Exodus tonight. Oh! From what I hear. Whoa! Was it? If you, if you ever attended our prayer meeting, it said, uh, stay tuned. So, we're here, and I'm assuming it's Exodus still. So, turn your Bibles there. Rich and Terry teaching. Very exciting. A few announcements. These next couple weeks are jam-packed, guys. Let me tell you why. This weekend, Labor Day camping at East Harbor State Park. If you haven't paid Jamie, Jamie, what's the fee? $10 if you want to stay for any amount of nights, just $10 a person. $5 if you just want to come for the day. Kids are free. And we pay you directly. Pay how me or hand me cash tonight. Gotcha. Tonight. Okay. Pass tonight. It is your job to figure out how to pay Katrina. Oh. And do not PayPal the fellowships because you will get paid a fee. You will get paid a fee. Oh, you get charged. Oh, you get charged. I'm like, everybody pay the church. I know. Very good. Very good. Okay, so that's very exciting. And I said many exciting things. What's next? Great question. Following week is our annual baptisms. Super duper very exciting. That's going to be at uh, West Branch. State Park, I imagine, still. That's at like uh, 12 or 1, usually. Uh, Give or take. Good middle of the day. So if you've never been to baptism, or if you've never been to camping, talk to the person that invited you out tonight and uh, just get some directions because we're in some unique places for the campground and we're in way back where West Branch Beach. So that's very exciting. I'm, I'm always loving the fall time. And we got these two big jam-packed events and we're back on our semester schedule. So that's very exciting. If you don't know yet, our next book is Genesis. So we officially start Genesis next week. So maybe go through Genesis beforehand, get a little pregame action, who knows? Uh, and I think that's all the announcements. I'm missing anything? That's all the announcements. That's all the announcements. All right, so uh, you guys want to pray first or you guys got it? Uh, we can do a double prayer. Go ahead and pray. Oh, uh, you want a double prayer? Triple prayer. It's not illegal. So. All right, I'll pray. And then they'll pray again. Lord. Thank you so much for uh, getting us here tonight. Very excited to uh, get back to your word and uh, dig into Texas for a little bit. We just pray, Lord, that uh, you help us understand what, what you're saying here through your word, speaking clearly to Terry and Rich. Um, just pray for an awesome night of fellowship here, too, as we dig into each other's lives. Thank you, Lord, for a beautiful night, uh, which we can meet outside and have this fellowship, have this building to use as well. Thank you, Lord, so much for that. We're very excited for camping this weekend, too, to get in some awesome fellowship throughout the day. Speaking to people that we don't usually get a chance to talk to, and as well as baptism the following week, where uh, we get to see people tell the stories of how they came to know you and how beautiful that is. So, praise all your name. Amen. Amen.
Terry? Rich. Rich? Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Well, everybody, it's good to see you all. Good evening. Uh, if you can't tell or you didn't know, I came from a work party right before this. A blast. It was so much fun. I stood out in the sun a little too long and my face is red. That's okay. It's getting a little darker out, so maybe you can't tell. But anyways, tonight, like Carlos said, we're, in Mo- we're talking about Moses. Now, before we start, I want to tell you guys a story about our dear old president, Abraham Lincoln. Imagine with me, if you will, middle of the Civil War. Abraham Lincoln, his poll numbers are plummeting. People who voted him into office, his party, the Republican Party, is starting to lose faith in him. He's an idiot. He doesn't know what he's doing. The Civil War, a terrible thing. A country was divided. A bloodbath amongst brothers, fellow American brothers, right, the North and the South. Each day, President Lincoln getting back terrible, gruesome reports of casualties on both sides. Each and every night. You can imagine the immeasurable pressure that's on his shoulders. So one night, he couldn't sleep very well. You can imagine all that pressure, terrible news all the time. So one night, uh, he told his aide he wanted to go to a local church, Presbyterian church, listen to a teaching. So they go there, and Abraham Lincoln and uh, his aide sit in the side room, off to the side, because he didn't want to disturb the meeting, being the president and all. And so they listened to the sermon. After the sermon, everybody left. They walked home, and it was him and the aide, Lincoln and the aide, walking home. And the aide asked him, what did you think of the sermon? You know, was it great? Did you really like it? And Abraham Lincoln said, well, it was brilliantly outlined. It was biblical. It was relevant. And it was well presented. And his aide said, so you thought it was a great sermon? And Mr. Lincoln replied, no, it failed. Why? Why was it a failure? And Lincoln said, well, he did not ask us to do something great. So, brothers and sisters, I don't want to fill you here tonight in this area. And I don't think I will. Because we're getting into the Lord's word here. And it's going to ask something great out of each and every one of us. So often as God does. So tonight we're teaching on Moses. A man who the Bible claims in Deuteronomy 34, there's never been another prophet like Moses. This man was great. The greatest prophet, God says. And so we're going through Exodus 2 through 4. At this point, he was not so much of a great man. Actually, at this point in his life, he never would have thought he was going to be in place of greatness. But God would in fact call Moses to do something great. And he'd be doing something great through him. So, why don't a couple of us pray and I'll pray and we'll get into what we're going to be teaching her now. Lord, uh, thank you so much that you invite us to do something great. That our lives uh, can have purpose, that we can have power that you give us, and that, uh, I don't know, you do some really cool things when we decide to follow you. Uh, I pray tonight that you can be speaking through Rich and Terry, and that uh, we can all really uh, follow faithfully with 
whatever great thing you're asking us to do. Heavenly Father, how wonderful it is to get together with the brothers and sisters here. Thank you, God, that for a beautiful night. Thank you that we get to go get into your word and learn from you, God. Uh, we just invite you into this meeting, Lord. We need you. Help us set behind, set aside the things that drag us down. Um, and help us, God, have fellowship with you and have fellowship with one another. Amen. All right, so before we get into the actual passage we're talking about, let's go through a little history of Moses. Around 1500 B.C., there's a Hebrew born to a pair of Hebrew parents. That's Moses. Now, Moses, uh, now Egypt was really good friends with the Hebrews at the time of Joseph, which we'll actually learn about in Genesis here pretty soon, actually towards the end of Genesis. So Joseph was a great friend of Pharaoh, but something changed. At this point in time, the Hebrew people, or Israelites, were under severe persecution. Egypt turned on the Hebrew people. They were growing so large in number that Pharaoh actually sent out a decree to kill all the first or all of the male Hebrew boys at the time. And so Moses, his mom didn't want him to be killed, and so she left him by a river. He was saved and rescued as a baby by Pharaoh's daughter. Pretty astonishing. In the first 40 years of his life, he was growing up in the palace. He had all the benefits of being a prince, the prince of Egypt, right? So he saw, at this time, he knew he was a Hebrew, but he was living in the palace, and he saw his fellow brethren suffering greatly at the hands of the Egyptians. It really bothered him. He wanted to do something about it. So what does Moses do? He fails miserably, and he kills an Egyptian slave. He buries his body in the sand. He thought he got away from it. He got away with it. Well, it turns out Pharaoh's going to find out about this and wants to kill Moses. So Moses flees to an area called Midian, which is pretty far to the east. Um, and while he's in Midian, he comes to a well, and he meets the love of his, what? of his life. Now, if you know anything about wells in the Old Testament, you know it's basically the OG uh, ChristianMingle.com. <laughs> We're going to see this twice in Genesis, where a man of God meets a woman of God at a well. Pretty amazing thing. But same thing happened here. Moses meets his wife, Zipporah. And he accepts an invitation from Zipporah's uh, father, Jethro. And they end up basically, his, Jethro gives his daughter in marriage to Moses. Great. So Moses is married, and that's where we pick up in Exodus chapter 2, verse 22. Later, Zipporah gave birth to a son, and Moses named him Gershom. Okay, what does it mean? For he explained, I have been a foreigner in a foreign land. So we see Moses' attitude here. He names his son. You know, the wife's like, what should we name him? And Moses is like, name him loser in the middle of nowhere, right? Stranger in a strange land. So you can see Moses' attitude behind this. He's not very happy where, he, where he's at right now. He has 40 years in the desert. So he, he, he ran away from Egypt at 40, and he spent another 40 years in the desert, dwelling on the fact that he failed so hard. Four different ways he failed. He was incompetent. So he was in the palace, right? He had this great position of authority. Pharaoh was probably grooming him to be the next Pharaoh. 
He had authority to do something, and he didn't deliver. Even in Midian, we, we learn that Moses is taking care of a flock, but it's not even his own flock. It's his father-in-law's flock. So he has nothing. He was incompetent. Moses is morally disqualified. He killed the dude with his bare hands. Not something you would easily forget. You know, you remember maybe some terrible things that you've done in your life, and it's hard to shake that. I know I have. Killing somebody, I imagine that's a pretty hard thing to shake off. He lost control, right? His anger. How can God use somebody like that? He failed morally. Uh, he was old, right? No, no uh, shade at you old people here, but he's 80 years old at this time. What can he do? You know, wouldn't God pick somebody young, right? Somebody who can go across the desert, be okay, be in command to set the Israelites free. And finally, Moses was broken. He was taken from his family when he was two or three years old. He was raised without a dad. And he was rejected by both the Egyptians, right? Pharaoh was trying to kill him, and his own people. They didn't want him anymore. They said, who are you? You're going to kill us too? So he's in a bad spot. Now, I'm not sure where you guys are at in your brokenness with the Lord. Maybe you feel like Moses. You feel like a failure. You think of yourself as a failure. You've made a complete mess of things in your life. Maybe you think of yourself as not the most gifted person in the room, not the brightest person in the room. You've been a real screw-up recently. You're too old to do anything for God, to do anything useful for God. You've got a lot of trauma in your past with your family or whatever. You feel lost and alone in the middle of a desert, looking back on your life with regret, wondering where God is. And I want to encourage you. Not a single moment was wasted by God when Moses was in the desert for 40 years. He was herding uh, some sheep that was not his, right? It was his father-in-law's. God was training him and preparing him for a great leadership task. So he's taking care of somebody else's sheep, and God is saying, you're going to take care of my sheep, my people. You're going to lead them out of Egypt. And so if you're feeling that way tonight, brothers and sisters, you're feeling like a failure, you're feeling lost, you're feeling like, where is God in my life? Trust in the Lord. You're not the irredeemable failure that you think you are. God can do something. God's preparing you for something. And that's what we're going to find out here in Exodus 2 and on. God's call of Moses. Exodus 2, 23-25. Years have passed, turns out 40 years, and the Pharaoh of Egypt died. But the Israelites continued to groan under their burden of slavery. They cried out for help, and their cry rose up to God. God heard their groaning, and he remembered his covenant promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He looked down on the people of Israel, and he knew it was time to act. And so God is going to be stepping in here now. right? He's seen enough suffering of his people. He hears the suffering of his people, and he's going to act. Exodus 3, 1-6. One day, Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. 
Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, or Moshe in Hebrew. Moshe, Moshe. Moses replied, Hineni, here I am. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. This is such a beautiful moment. I read past, you know, I read scripture so fast sometimes and I miss the beauty of God. Moses, in complete failure and brokenness, God, he hasn't forgotten about me. He still knows me. He wants to talk with me. Beautiful. The brokenness of Moses and the grace of God right there. When Moses heard this, he covered his face up because he was afraid to look at God. So Moses knows he's not in a great spot. He knows God's talking with him. He doesn't want to look at the Lord. He's afraid. He knows what he's done. Verse 7, 8, and 10. When the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their rash, their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I'm aware of their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. Now go, for I am sending you, Moses, to Pharaoh. You must lead my people out of Egypt. And so here we have the calling of God. God is calling Moses to do something great. You might be thinking to yourself, hadn't Moses already tried that and failed? Hadn't he tried to lead for God? Yes, you're right. He murdered that Egyptian and fled from his people, right? Abandoned them. But a profound thing that the Lord showed me studying this passage is God often sends us back into our failures to redeem, to love, to shed grace. Psalm 130, verse 7, Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. That's what God is into, redeeming our failures, redeeming our brokenness. Our sinfulness. My brother Tyler, for those of you who don't know, uh, he's living with me now. And Tyler had come to the Lord, I think, maybe. I'm not sure on that now. He came maybe to the Lord eight years ago or so, seven years ago, entered into a phase of rebellion and kind of left. Um, and during that time, you know, I've failed him many, many times. Many times. Before I was a believer, you know, I used to bully him a lot. I was harsh towards him. After I became a believer and after he left and and rebelled, I was harsh with him again. I wasn't patient with him. I drove him towards bitterness towards me, I think. And because of that, I gave up. He's too difficult. He's too hard. He's too lost. And so God is calling on me to do something great, right? Rich, rich. Go and love your brother who is in need. What's God calling on you to do? What's he saying after he says your name twice? Jeff, Jeff, or Tim, Tim. What's God calling on you to do? 
Is he calling on you to have a difficult conversation that you've been pushing off, you know? You don't want to confront that brother or sister. You know what you have to do, but you're pushing it off. Is it stepping up in your walk with him? Giving over your, the control of your life into his hands? Is it getting involved in a cell group? Getting involved into a discipleship with somebody? Being more faithful to your disciples? I don't know. God often calls us away from something that's familiar to us. And that's what makes it so great. That's what makes it such a great work of God. Because it's unfamiliar to us. It's dangerous territory. We don't know what's going to happen. That's what's going to happen to Fusion here pretty soon. We're going to be splitting. Maybe in a couple months, maybe longer, end of the year. I don't know. Things are going to change. It's going to get more difficult in a lot of ways. You might have, in Fusion, taken a step back because you look at all the people around you like, they're more gifted than me. They're more charismatic than me. They're more fruitful than me. I think I'll just kind of show up. Have a fun conversation or two. It won't be the case when we split. There's not going to be all 40 or however many people that are here, right, to rely on. There's going to be a lot less. And so God is calling on each and every one of us to step up in a way that we never have before, to trust him. What is your response going to be? What will you tell the Lord? We're going to take a look at how Moses responded to God's calling to set his people free, and that's when Terry's going to come up. So I appreciate the way you talked about that, Rich. Um, How you were saying, uh, I wonder what God is calling you to. So you didn't ask, I wonder if God is calling you to something. Um, That's a different question entirely. And I can see that we all have breath. And so that means that God is calling us to something. Because God is a God of purpose and a God of, uh, a God of work, actually. And so when he calls Moses, um, Brenda, can you read a couple? Um, can you read verse 10 and 11 for me? Um, and Jamie, can you read verse 12 in a little bit? What chapter? Same one. Uh, We're just going to be in Exodus. Not right. Go ahead, sorry. Very good. Uh, Therefore come now, and I will send you to Pharaoh, so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. I'm going to send you to, to Egypt. Go ahead. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt? That's a great question. Are you sure you got the right guy? God, do you even know what you're talking about? And I'll say, I'll say this. Um, I can really, I, I can do a great job. I'm very good at dwelling on my failures. Right? Um, I excel at dwelling on my failure. And that's not a cool thing. Um, I commiserate and I, I like lament and I cry and all this stuff. And, and um, I have screwed up some, some significant things. You know, my kids have all walked away from the Lord. Uh, and, I, and it's not entirely because of me, but I know I've had a hand in that. And uh, anyways, I, I look at myself as a, as a largely um, failure in my family, like the most basic thing. Failed in my family. Um, I've messed it up pretty bad. And so, what does God say to a guy like that that's messed stuff up? I want to send you to do something good. 
I want to send you to do something good. And I, are you sure you got the right guy, God? And so what, what is God's answer, Jamie? What is God's answer in verse 12? And he said, Certainly I will be with you, and this shall be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God at this mountain. So who am I that you should send me, Lord? And his answer has nothing to do with the question. Certainly I will be with you. And it's like Jesus does this a lot. Like he, he will respond to a question in a way that doesn't match the question. Right? Um, and so it makes me think, it makes me wonder about what is he actually talking about? Why is he talking this way? Um, and the truth is, the, God's answer to Moses is not about Moses. Like Moses is full of himself and his limitations, and God's saying, no, 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 that's not what I'm talking about. He doesn't diminish the failures that Moses went through that he, that he accomplished. He doesn't dis- disregard them. He doesn't disagree with them. But he like says, that's not what I'm talking about. That's in the past. And right now, what you need to know is that I'm going to be with you. That's the thing that's going to carry you through here. Um, who you are isn't the issue. And certainly, if God is with you, you can do something. Certainly, if God is with me, I can do something in my failure. Through my failure. Because of my failure, maybe. Um, <clears throat> Moses is focused on himself and his limitations, and his inabilities, his incompetence, uh, his limit, did I say limitations already? He's focused on all these things, how he's messed up in the past. God knows all about that. And he picked him anyway. And the truth is that God knows all about my failures, and my misery, and my pain, and the things that I've screwed up and done wrong. He knows all about that too. And knows all about your stuff too. Whatever it is, God knows your failures. And yet he's calling you to do something great. Because of them, in the midst of them, to come out of them, to go back into them, but to have victory and to, to bring life, to bring rescue to people. That's what God is calling us to. Um, God is, is lovingly and patiently and gently and repeatedly raising Moses' focus off of himself and up onto God. God wants to raise our eyes off of our misery, off of what we're doing, and raise our eyes up onto Him. That's what He's inviting us. He's calling us and inviting us to come near to Him and to come share in His power and His glory. That's what God's doing to Moses. That's what God's doing to us, with us. He's inviting us in to have a relationship with Him, to raise our eyes up and focus on God instead of on where we're at. Um, So yeah, God doesn't dismiss any of that stuff. Um, two promises he gave Moses there in verse 12. I will certainly be with you, and when you've accomplished this thing, the people will worship me right here where you're at. It's going to be amazing, Moses. You won't even believe it. That's the thing about God, is, is when he tells us stuff like this, we can't even imagine, we can't even wrap our mind around what this victory is that he's, he's planning for us and preparing for us and telling us about And yet he says, you will come and see the very victory that I have for you. You will enjoy it and you will will worship me because of it. Your eyes will be off of you and they'll be on me. So, um, Megan, can you read verse 13? So so wait, so the first thing is, um, Moses, it's not about you, it's about me. Go ahead. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, 
the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they asked me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? Yeah, so, okay, God says it's all about, it's not about you, Moses, it's about me. Moses says, all right, who are you? Fair question, right? Um, what is yours, how was yours, how did yours read? Uh, then what shall I tell, or um, what I'm, is his name? Yeah, that part. I am. Oh, after that. Yeah. God said to Moses, I am who I am. I am who I am. That's what God says his name. First of all, first of all, all the other gods that they encountered in Egypt, the people named the sun god, the moon god, the corn god, the whatever god, the fish god, the Nile god. God tells Moses what his name is. Um, it's an amazing thing. So I am the God. I, I just exist. I am just a God. I am. I've always been. I'll always be. I make things be. That's who I am. And now picture God is telling him this. This bush is on fire. There's this fire in the bush, but the bush is not on fire. The fire just is. It's just there. And so, so this is the thing we lose when we're just reading. But in life, Moses was encountering a God who just was. He is just there. He's really there. I don't know why he's there, but he's there. I can't explain it. He's independent of the tree of the bush, but he's in the bush, and he's talking to me from the bush. He's God. Um, please go on, 15 to 17. Oh, yeah, Megan, sorry. Go ahead. God also said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name you shall call me from generation to generation. Go, assemble the elders of Israel, and say to them, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, appeared to me and said, I have watched over you and have seen what has been done to you in Egypt. And I promise to bring you up out of your misery in Egypt and into the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites, All the, the land flowing with milk and honey. Yeah, so here's what God tells him. I know your name. You're, you're just wandering in the desert. I know your name. And I want to have a relationship with you. And I want to raise you up to see me and to work with me. And he says, I know about your people. Your people are, he's, a, he's in the middle of the desert, about 250 miles away or more from where his people are in Egypt. And yet God knows about his people. I know their affliction. And I have plans to bring them out of their affliction. And I have plans to send you to deliver them from their affliction and take them from that place to a land that's flowing with milk and honey. God, like, knows about us. He's interested in us. And this is what Moses can tell the people when he gets there. This God in this bush, he just was there, and he told me some stuff, and he knew about what you guys were doing, and it was just a, he just knows everything. How does he know this stuff? He's just God. That's how he knows all this stuff. Um, Tim, you want to read? Sure. No? Sure. Ready? 22 to, 18 to 22, sorry. Chapter 3. Then they will pay attention to what you say, and you with the elders of Israel will come to the king of Egypt, and you will say to him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. So now, please let us go a three days' journey into the wilderness, so that we may sacrifice the Lord our God. 
But I know the king of Egypt will not permit you to go except under compulsion. So I will reach out with my hand and strike his Egypt with all my miracles, which I shall do in the midst of it. After that, he will let you go. I will grant his people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, and it will be when you go. You will not go empty-handed. But every woman shall ask her neighbor and the women who live in her house articles of silver and articles of gold and clothing. And you will put them on your sons and daughters. So will you plunder the Egyptians? You will plunder the Egyptians. That's amazing. So they're, they're like slaves in Egypt. But God promises them not only this great land that's flowing with milk and honey that he's going to take them to and give to them. But he says, you're going you're gonna to come out of Egypt with all this plunder. If you guys read CT Saturday, uh, Ian, 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 Ian talked about plundering. Uh, he, who is not, not, he who does not gather with me scatters. Right? And it, it was Jesus inviting us to work with him side by side. Uh, talked about plundering the house of the strong man to bear fruit for God. And here it is. God's talking again about plundering. We're going to take plunder from the Egyptians. You guys are going to have wealth. It's going to be amazing. Um, this is why it's important that we know who God is. Because God wants to know us intimately. He knows our, He's concerned about our, our pain and our suffering. He's concerned to give us a future and a hope. He wants to provide for us in all these ways. This is why we can look to God. Because He's a good God. Yeah, He's the God that made everything exist. He's the God that can be in the bush. He's the God that knows all the stuff. But he's a God for us. That's why it's important to know him. Important to know the one who sends us. To again, again, to keep our eyes focused on who God is and not focused on who we are or what we can do or what we think we can do, but on who God is and what he promises that he's going to do and what he can deliver on what he promises. That's the God he wants us to know. Keep our eyes on God. Um, uh, Angie. Chapter 4, verse 1. Then Moses said, What if they will not believe me or listen to what I say? For they may say, The Lord has not appeared to you. Yeah. You're a liar, Moses. What if they don't believe me? Who, who am I? Who are you? What if they don't believe me? Another good question. He's got no control over that. That's not about him anymore. It's not about God still. But it's not about him anymore, at least. And so... Um, uh, Evan, um, verses uh, four and f- uh, two through five. There, two through five. Yeah, two through five. The Lord said to him, "What is that in your hand?" And he said, "A staff." My sure. Then he said, "Throw it on the ground." So he threw it on the ground, and it became a serpent. And Moses fled from it. <laughs> <laughs> the Lord said to Moses, "Stretch out your hand and grasp it by his tail." So he stretched out his hand and caught it, and it became a staff in his hand. That they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has appeared to you. So when I was in college, you guys probably don't know, I took a, a snake charming class. It was pretty cool. <laughs> the first thing they told me, first day, I, and I didn't do that. <laughs> not true. But, but I knew a guy. No, that's true. But, but the first thing they tell you at snake charming school is never grab a snake by its tail. That's the worst place to grab a snake. You ever watch Jungle Jim or any of them guys grab, grabbing stuff? They never grab it by the tail. 
Never grab anything by the tail, right? Moses says, or God says, grab the snake by the tail, and Moses does. That's the crazy thing. And it turned right back into his shepherd's staff. Um, who's next? Who wants to read next? Lauren? You there? Yeah. Uh, six through nine. Kind of there. You have a Bible. Six through nine. Chapter three, six through nine. Then the Lord said to Moses, Now put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand inside his cloak, and when he took it out again, his hand was white as snow with a severe skin disease. Now put your hand back into your cloak, the Lord said. So Moses put his hand back in, and when he took it out again, it was as healthy as the rest of his body. So what? That's good. That's exactly right. Uh, Maybe as I say, show him about... Show him about the strip or something. Yeah, one more. Okay. Then the Lord said to Moses, If they do not believe oh, yeah, keep going. you and you are not cons- convinced by the first miraculous sign, they will be convinced by the second sign. And if they don't believe you or listen to you even after these two signs, then take some water from the Nile River and pour it out on the dry ground. Yeah. When you do, the water from the Nile will, will turn into um, blood on the ground. Right. So we got the snake trick. We got the uh, the pull a rabbit out of a hat trick, except it's pull the leprosy out of your out of your robe and, and put it back in or whatever. However that trick went. Um, and again, it, it's all about who God is, right? He wants to give Moses confidence in who he is, and he wants to give the people clear confidence in who God is. It's not about Moses can't do that stuff. It's not about Moses. It's not about you and me. We can't do that stuff either but it's about the God who has the power to do that kind of stuff. Put your eyes on God when He calls. He wants to do something great with us. Put our eyes on Him. And I'll tell you this. Um, I, I do and I can um, really dwell um, on my failure. And the truth is that sin has spoiled everything here. You look around and we just can't get along. There's wars everywhere. There's poverty everywhere. There's just... We just can't get along with each other. We're a broken, collectively broken, failed people. Everything that we look at and touch and do is stained, spoiled by the by sin in the world. That's our problem. That's why we can't get along because we're stained by sin, selfishness, greed, arrogance. All these things they reside in our heart. Um, and so we're all the same. We're all like Moses in that way, and we're all like each other in that way. I mean, we have different sins. But we're all, we're all stained by sin, affected deeply, like all the way down. And we were raised in families that were stained by sin. And those families were brought up in family all the way back, stained by sin. We're all like that. Jesus wasn't like that. Jesus was not stained by sin like we are stained by sin. Um, he was not broken like we are broken. He was not a failure like we are a failure. Yet... And he was with the Father in the kingdom of God, ruling in heaven. That's where Jesus was. And what he did is he entered into this failed world. He came here on a mission for you and for me, and for all the people before us, and for all the people that are yet to come. He came for us. He, he limited himself. He became limited for us. He entered into a broken world for us. And although he wasn't broken, he became broken on the cross for us. 
His blood was poured out for you and me because of our sin, not because of His, but because of our sin. He was taken to the cross. He was taken to task. He was beaten and broken and humiliated for us so that He could give us um, the kingdom, so that He could give us new life, a life that's righteous and isn't broken by sin. That's what He came to give us. He came to give us a, a place in His kingdom forever, a place called heaven. Um, that's what He wants to offer us. He takes the penalty of our sin and our brokenness away from us. He took it on Himself. He endured our brokenness so that we could enjoy His righteousness. It's a weird exchange that God did for us. But this is the same God who in the, in the, in the desert said, I am, and I want to do good things for you. I want to take you into a land flowing with milk and honey. And, and for, uh, that, that's like there's a double thing there. In, in, the, in the one hand, it means that I want to take you to this place that's called the promised land. And on the other hand, it means I want to take you to this place called my kingdom. And I want to give you a place in my kingdom where the riches are unlimited. Where the kingdom of God, where the riches of God, where the love of God, the grace of God, the wholeness of God, the love of God can overwhelm us. That's what God wants for us. He's calling all of us to enjoy that then and enjoy it now too and to share it with other people. That's why we have breath. That's why we have breath. Because God is calling us to this thing that is sharing His gospel, sharing His message, pouring out His love to other people. That's why we're here. Okay, um, chapter 4, verse 10. Uh, Jeff Small. So, so uh, let me, anyway, one more thing. Hold on before you do that. God, just like God invited Moses to come in and have a relationship with him, God's inviting all of us to come and have a relationship with him. He's inviting us to be with him. He's personal. He knows about us. And he has good things for us. Go ahead, Jeff. And Moses said to the Lord, Please, Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither recently nor in time past, nor since you have spoken to your servant. For I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. Yeah. So what's Moses' response so far? Who am I? Who are you? Right? Uh, what if they don't believe me? I don't talk good. It's like, again, again, he's talking back about himself. You know, God, you know, you yourself know, God, that I don't talk very good. And what does God respond to him in 11 to 12? Uh, Jeff, go ahead. The Lord said to him, Who has made the human mouth? Or who makes anyone unable to speak or death? Are able to see or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now then, go, and I myself will be your mouth and instruct you in what you are to say. Remember, I made all the stuff. I made you, and I made your mouth. I knew about you before you were born. I knew all this stuff, and I'm sending you, Moses. I'm sending you, Terry. I'm sending you, Lindsay. I'm sending you, Brian. Not, don't wonder if God is. He is. He is sending us. He does have things, good things for us that He prepared for, for us beforehand. But, but again, He's like, take your eyes off your own limitations and put your eyes back on Me. I'll, I'll tell you what to say. I'll provide everything you need at the time. You don't have to. You can come empty-handed, and I will supply all the all the the horsepower for the work that I want you to do. I'll supply it at the time that you need it. 
And I, I can I can tell you that I've seen that happen in my life I don't know how many times where I've shown up empty to do something and God has provided all the horsepower to do the thing. It's an amazing time to be used by the hand of God. And I know, and, and I, I'll walk away from things like that and know that wasn't me. I don't I don't know I don't know where that any of that came from. It must have been the hand of God. The power of God. The one who just is. The one who is and wants good things for us. He pours out good things on us. Okay, so who am I? Who are you? What if they don't believe me? I don't talk good. Lindsay, uh, what's the last one? But he, he said, please, Lord, now send the message by whomever you will. Yeah, and so so that's that's the Nasby, right? Yeah. Yeah. Every other translation, what does every other translation say? Send somebody else. And so there's debate about that, and I don't know which way it goes. Um, God's response, though, is angry at what Moses said. Um, whether Some of the commentaries say, hey, it's like, whatever, God, do whatever you're going to do, uh, like in, in just giving up in defeat or, or whatever. Um, and some of them say, no, he's saying, no, send somebody else. And so I, God's response, though, is anger. And so Moses, again, uh, with another opportunity to, to say, God, I want to I come alongside of you, what he says instead is, whatever, or I'm not interested, send somebody else. Here I am, send someone else. Right? And so, this is the last thing, this is the last thing. And so Moses says, um, let's see. Erica, can you read? 14 to 17? Are you there? Oh, sorry, you got here in the dark. <laughs> Yeah, thanks. So here's the thing. Moses, again, is like 250 or more miles away from where his people are in Egypt. And he says to Moses, hey, look, there's Aaron. What a coincidence, right? Aaron just shows up in the middle of the desert to see his brother Moses. Oh, yeah, and he'll be glad to see you. He will be, your brother will be glad to see you. I don't know when the last time he saw his brother. Maybe 40 years ago, maybe 75 years ago. I don't know. But here comes your brother, and he's going to be glad to see you because God knows our hearts. He knows what excites us. He knows what's, what makes us happy, what gives us joy, and he wants to give us joy. He's a God of love and a God of, a God of mercy and giving and a God of joy. He wants to share His character with us. He wants to invite us in to have a relationship with Him, into the work that He's doing for for His kingdom, for humanity, for eternity. Real significant work. You know, we say where I work, we build build things to last a long time. Um, And and, uh, the, the life of the thing is supposed to be 50 years after it goes into service. And it probably goes into service 10 years after it leaves our place. It's got to last 50 years. And we talk about all how this has got to last such a long time. The fruit that God calls us to 
the work that God calls us to and the fruit that God wants to see us bear will live forever. Not for 50 or 60 years, but forever. As we share this good news of God, as we share this calling of God with other people who don't know about it, who don't know the forgiveness of Jesus, who haven't come into a relationship with Him, as we share this with them, their hearts will last forever in the kingdom of God. What a glorious thing. God knows that this is, this is a great thing and this is significant work that He shares with us. And it's like, of course, if God selected the best, highest gifted people and they did something good, you would say, oh, he's a gifted person. Or she's a gifted I guess you could say she's a gifted person too. That's possible. Um, but when you, when you take some ordinary Joe like me or you or like a fisherman or like Moses... An amazing thing happened to this guy. That's the glory of God. It must be the power of God working through this guy, because I know that guy, and he ain't all that. It's the power of God to the glory of God. That's what's going on there. Um, so, and you might say, uh, well, okay, good. That, that's good. You want me to respond to God in a good way. Yeah, don't, don't tell them who, why should I go. Don't tell them who are you. Don't say, what if they don't believe me? Don't say, um, what's the other one? I don't even know. Um, I don't talk good. Don't say, send somebody else. Don't say those things to God. And you, you might be sitting there thinking, well, you know, if God, if I saw God in a bush over there burning, I probably would listen, frankly. Um, don't kid yourself, first of all. Uh, don't think uh, that you're all that either. Um, he doesn't speak to us in burning bushes. What he does instead is people who have said yes to his call, he has put into our lives to speak to us about things in our life that he wants to direct us or change us or shape us or motivate us. He's given us this body of Christ to be his mouthpiece for us. He's given us all these relationships so that we can speak into each other's hearts. As I hear the call of God in my marriage and my friendships, I can share that with the people. Hey, man, I think, I think God's calling you over here. It seems like you're pretty good at this. Maybe God wants you to do that. Or, hey, have you ever thought about this thing? There's a need over here. Have you ever thought about doing that? That's how God speaks to you and me, mostly. He still could do whatever he wants because he's still God. But that's mostly what he says. And, and I'll, I'll say this. Let yourself be drawn into God. God wants to have a deep relationship with your heart, with your inner person. Let yourself be drawn into that. Don't push God away and say, no, that's not for me. And you might think, you know, I think, I'm sure, that I would never tell God no. I would never do that. I am not that bold. I'll just tell you straight up. Um, I, I, will, I will reason, though, and I will, I will make sure that God understands that this maybe isn't the right time for that, or that maybe this isn't the right circumstance for that thing to happen that he wants, and actually this thing over here is way better, and so this is what I'm actually going to do. And it's not really saying no to God, but it's really saying no to God. And I, I guess, are you in a posture right now in your life where you're willing to listen to God? 
Are you even willing to listen? If God were to tell you something, if God were to say something to you, would you be willing to hear him out today? Would I be willing to hear him out today? That's a question I have to ask myself all the time. Would I be willing to hear your voice today, God? Help me, help me hear you today. Because a lot of times I just don't want to. A lot of times I think I'm, 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 I can, I, I'm so sophisticated. We are, we are so sophisticated. We're so over all this, this idol worship thing. We're so over all this stuff in, in, this, in this modern day. But really, it's just a different way of saying no to God. And the other thing I'll do, the other way I don't say no to God, is I'll say, that's a really good idea. And then not do anything. <laughs> and then I'll wait for the right opportunity um, maybe until the opportunities pass and that person doesn't work with me anymore or the neighbor moves away or, or whatever the thing is. Maybe I'll procrastinate long enough so that the opportunity passes and I've said no to God. And so like I say, some of you are very bold and may just say, no, God, I'm not doing that um, directly and up front and clearly. I am not that bold. Uh, but I am, I do have a heart that, that, that is willing to say no to God. And so I pray, my prayer for me and my prayer for us is that I will hear the voice of God and that I will respond, Lord, I want, I, want, I want part of what you want for me. I know what you want for me is better than what I want for me. And I know that the reason I don't follow you is because I'm afraid of something. I'm af- I, and may, maybe it doesn't look like I'm afraid. Maybe it looks like I know better. Maybe it looks like um, I, I, that's nebulous, and I don't like nebulous. Maybe I, maybe I need to have control, and maybe I maybe control is a, an idol in my heart, or maybe I'm afraid and I don't want to upset someone, so I'm not going to say the thing because their approval is an idol in my heart. And so these things, this our, our interactions with, are we willing to listen to God? Are we willing to be obedient? when we hear Him. That's the first question to ask. If I want to listen for God's voice, ask yourself, am I going to obey if I hear it? Uh, And then ask, God, what is it that you want? God wants us to give our hearts to Him. He wants us to focus our eyes on Him. He's the author and the perfecter of life. He, He came... The, you know, he came to give us abundant life here on earth and here and in heaven with him. And he's got it, he wants to give it to us in such a way that it strips away the other idols in our hearts, the other things. We, we try and seek abundant life through relationships with somebody, through somebody's approval. We try and seek abundant life through having control. We try and seek abundant life in all these other places. And, and God says, No, no, I, I, want, I want to be the place where you get abundant life. I'm actually the only place you can get abundant life. You can find happiness and excitement and be energized for a time in all kind of other things. But I'm the only one, God says, that you need life. And so let's, let's hear God. Let's listen for God. Let's hear what he's got to say. And let's, let's say yes. Let's say yes to God. Is there anything else? Oh, that's it. That's good. I think that's good. I think that's good. I'll stop there. So, uh, so what do you guys think about that? Am I all wet? Are we all wet up here? <laughs> what do you guys think? What does that mean? What is that? 
Let's have a discussion. That's better. <laughs> <laughs> Is it blasphemy or not? Not blasphemy. Cool. Any questions, comments? Respect our timing because <laughs> he's the Lord. So, 
Well, thank God he doesn't respect our timing. Right. <laughs> nothing would get done. There, well, nothing would get done, and there's just a lot of situations where it's like, well, I want this now, God. Why can't I have it? Yeah. But, like, if you look at your heart attitude towards it, that thing that you want so badly in that moment, it's like you're holding it above the Lord yeah. and what he wants for you in his direction. And, I mean, just, Terry, all the questions you were asking at the end and stuff, it was kind of rolling around in my brain of, like, well, think about the times that, like, you have said yes to God and he's called you on something, and those are times that you don't regret. Like, you don't regret all that time that you've spent doing whatever it was that God called you to do. Right. But, like, how easily we forget, like, the next time God calls us to do something hard, and we're just like, no, that sounds scary. That sounds terrifying. But, again, like, it's so cool that we can lean back on the Lord and realize those again, those times that we said yes and how cool it was that God pulled us through whatever it was or like, I don't know, like opportunities to serve or something. Yeah, we'll get our eyes put back on you. Mm-hmm. Sweet. something, uh, Rich, when you were talking about Moses tending the flock of uh, someone else's sheep, and how, uh, I think you hit on it, that uh, God was calling on him to tend on uh, someone else's sheep, in a sense, right, for his people, right, yeah, Hebrew people, and uh, that goes on to sort of break down uh, why all of Moses' arguments about how inferior and not up the task he is are kind of uh, not incorrect, but also not the point. Um, I think it's sort of, uh, it sort of uh, buries the lead a bit, where he's, if you know how God views his flock as like, like the most important thing 
like the thing the thing he values most is us, right? It's like greatest creation and all that. And yet he's entrusting it to this truthfully inept person because he knows that uh, it's he's gonna like show his power through him. Uh, is like simultaneously disarming and moving and uh, confusing in the best way. Because uh, I can get pretty down on myself too all the time, but yeah, that's not the point. Um, it's a relief that we don't have to be something uh, impressive <laughs> to be useful. Yeah. Yeah. Just faith. Yeah. It is God's MO to the scripture, like he will he will bring people, uh, allow people to get to, even lead people to a place where uh, where that's the only situation in which he could reveal himself to them. And it is amazing. Uh, and I think uh, a lot of times in our failures and in our limitations, that's where God reveals himself the most. When we're most of, most acutely aware that we we have got no option, we are sunk, and then God delivers. It's 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 all God. Um, yeah, it's just really cool how He does that, and how He wants to do it with us. How he wants to deliver us out of this misery and out of this wallowing in our in our own uh, filth. Uh, and wants to lead us to do good things for Him. Um, that's what Paul said in Philippians 3, right? He says, he says it three times. I don't look backwards, I look forwards. I don't look back, I press on. I don't look back, I press forward uh, to the goal that is being with God. And, and but his eyes are fixed on God, not fixed on what happened, good or bad yesterday, but fixed on God today. And I pray that my eyes and our eyes can be fixed on God today uh, instead of what happened yesterday. Yeah, there's those times when you're focused on his will, in tune with that, it's like the most emotionally stable and fulfilling days to be awake. Yep. Usually. Um, I work here on the song. Kind of going on what you're saying about the heart. You know, it says, um, today if you hear my heart, so harden your heart. The time that Maribel, which is like a um, strike, like the hard time's coming. And it's like, you're not. It's a hard thing when our eyes aren't on him. Right. Right. They seem a giant. They they they, they yeah. have stolen hyper lands which cause giants. And they didn't <laughs> trust that the Lord was gonna do that for them. Right. So the same goal. You know, they wouldn't have regret, but they all died off the wilderness yep. and regret. So you know, it's like it's a hard thing, but it's like because we look at our circumstance, you know, so we get afraid, right? And so it's tough, you know, but it's like more we, we walk the Lord, it, it takes time, you know, and like most of you, all matters real strong, powerful, you keep on to trials with the Lord and testing stuff, but, you know, we walk the Lord and we like spend time with the Lord, and we get to know the Lord, then we go trust in God. Right. That's a good point, Jeff. Thanks for bringing that up, Brian. About the daily, 
commitment to a relationship with God and how, how important that is. Thanks. I was going to say this, but I need help with this stuff. So I was thinking about, yeah, there are certain times when God calls on us to do something. But there are also times when we're waiting on the Lord. And I think, Rich, you said mm. not a single moment was wasted by God when Moses was alone in the desert for 40 years. Mm. So there are times, I think, and waiting on God is hard too, but not a moment of that time is wasted. Right. So, for, I mean, oftentimes those are hard times too. You know, I want the answers. I, I, I will, I will rail at God and say, "What is it you want me to do?" And I don't feel like I'm getting answers, or maybe I don't like the answers I'm getting. Yeah. Boy, God's not wasting that time. Yeah. Those are those are hard times. Yeah. yeah, I've had a lot of close friends be put up for deaconship and not go through. You know, they're ready to leave for God, and God's like, not yet. Yeah. Soon, but not yet. So I imagine they felt like they were in a desert. Yeah. That's kind of like our engagement was not yet. Not yet. <laughs> All right, I, this is, you know, same kind of thing. Yeah, as you were saying that, I can relate a lot to that. I feel like I've had a lot of those seasons on and off throughout my life, and a lot of that, like, God uses those times to humble you, because I feel like I need a lot of that. Like, my struggle is pride. I, like, read about Moses here, and I'm like, yeah, I don't really struggle with the, like, doubting myself so much. I'm kind of the opposite end of the spectrum, where I'm like, God, I got this great plan, and God's like, all right, not yet. And, like, yeah, I think God uses those desert seasons to get us to, like, are you going to follow my plan? Yeah. So, well, it's kind of like what Brenda was saying. Like, you said, thank, I mean, thank God it's not in our time. Because yeah. I'm just like, what if, what if it hadn't been 40 years? What if it had been 10 years? In 10 years, he wouldn't have, maybe he wasn't ready. In 20 years, maybe he wasn't ready to say, here I am. Or what up? But, yeah. you know, God's time. Thanks for sharing. Well, as one of us, when you guys want to pray, and then Terry can close it down. Thank you, Father, that we were able to get together here tonight and hear what a sweet time that was for Moses to struggle his struggle of being who he is and how God just kept showing him that he was. <coughs> So we want to lift up our time, Lord, for you to continue to show us who we are in you. And I want to pray for Carlo for his study time the rest of this week and next week, as he too wrestles with who he is and who he says he is. So we want to lift him up to you. Yeah, Father, I'm really thankful for this time too. I'm thankful for for all the time in your word that uh, I pray that your word gets into me that your word gets into us I pray that um, Father that, that uh, I, would, I would seek you out that I would listen for your voice um, I pray that that I would be willing to say yes um, when you call help me to see the things that you're calling me to help me to take the time Lord 
to uh, to get with you and to wonder what they might be. Uh, certainly, you have uh, works for us to do. Certainly, you have good things prepared for us. Uh, so help us, Lord. Help me, Lord, to, to seek you out and to find out, to, to get with you and to understand what they might be and how, how it is that I can take a step into them, how it is that I can draw near to you. Uh, you've invited us to come closer to you, Lord. I pray that we would come closer to you. I pray that um, you would reveal yourself to us in new ways as we come closer to you um, in ways that are undeniable. And I, I pray for fruit. I pray that you do amazing work among us and through us, Lord, and in us. Because I know you're not done with any of us yet. Um, you're not done in us and you're not done with us. Uh, thank you for loving us so much for telling us your name. Uh, thank you for the breath that you gave. Uh, thank you for the life that you want to give us. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.